there's something about following your dreams, following your passion that just mandates that someone's going to try to stop you. Something's going to get in your way. Something's going to say, no, you must stop. You can't make it. And that's where the grit comes in. And that's what you're about to hear about now. Dreams coming true, dreams yet to come, overcoming grit to make that happen. Charlie Epstein is our guest. Next. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. So, folks, how do you make money? Well, hard work, sweat, blood, tears, perseverance, 12-hour workdays, swing the feet out of bed, put them in the floor and go, 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 right? That's how you make money in America today. My guest today is going to change your mind about that a little bit. He says that what you, when you do what you love, the money will follow. And that is so sweet and simple and flat out accurate. And I'm so glad to have uh, the founder and the owner of the 401k coach program. It's at 401kcoach.com, the founder of Epstein Financial Group and the host of an amazing podcast, Yield of Dreams, also coming to theaters near you. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He is Charlie Epstein, and I am so glad, Charlie, that you're a guest on A Dash of Grit. Welcome. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. I am excited to talk with you because I know that you have this abundance mentality of life, and you are so excited about all the great things. This show is about all the hard stuff, and we're going to get to that. But tell our audience what you do, why you're so happy to do it, what makes you successful. Give them a, a, a quick pitch of what success looks like in the world of Charlie Epstein. So I believe strongly in the creative act and mindset. This is the most powerful thing that we have right between our ears. It's called our brain. And nobody has control over it but you and I. And so every day you get to wake up and decide, is it going to be a good day or a bad day just because you say so? And then what happens for people is their mind says something else, or they have a feeling or an emotion. Oh, I don't feel good. Mm -hmm. I'm sore. Oh, my back is bothering me. Oh, somebody said something to me yesterday that really brought me down. I read something in the newspaper. Poppycock. <laughs> Everybody has a voice in their head. You know, I have people close their eyes and I just say, just listen for a minute. Yeah. Just listen to that voice. And I'll say, you know, that voice that just said, what voice? I don't hear anything. What the hell is he talking about? Why is he even talking to me at all? I don't have a voice in my head. We all have that voice that constantly, you know, you can call it the ego, the mind, whatever. And you, you have this dial. Everybody is born with this dial. It's called the volume dial. And you can either turn the volume up on the negativity that your voice has, mm -hmm. or you can turn the volume down. We're all born with the same opportunity. We're all born, uh, forget your circumstances for a moment. We're all born with the same opportunity to create whatever we want to create on any given day. I don't care if you're a kid in Harlem, Mumbai in the ghetto, or you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth. 
everybody's got the same opportunity because of your mind. And you get to choose. And it's how you choose to overcome your mind doubting you every day is what sets you on a path of opportunity and abundance. The positive attitude alone doesn't allow you to win in a, a, a ring with Muhammad Ali, right? You're going down. So you've been successful at something. All this positivity and abundance mentality has gotten you somewhere. Tell me, how do you make your money? Talk about a little bit about your, your, your career, like the, the job. What do you do, Charlie? <laughs> That's a good question. My clients yeah, I know. I knew you'd love that My question. My clients ask me that every day. What do you do? <laughs> What do you Who do? Who are you? What do you, what do you do? You know, what do you do? You know, I, I blame it on my parents. My mother was an opera singer and her father, my grandfather was concert master at Ritty city music hall. And my father was an entrepreneur and his father, my grandfather, Max was an accountant. So what do I do? I'm an entrepreneur and an entertainer. I'm an entertainer and I'm an entrepreneur. And every day I wake up mm. and I try and combine those two elements of entrepreneurialism and entertainment. The entertainment is probably mostly for me, but I love to entertain people. And what I do every day, my ministry in life is to ease people's pain and suffering about their money. That's my ministry in life. 41 years in the financial services business, my goal is to help people identify their yield of dreams. What are they yielding for, holding back, and what have they always wanted from life? And what's stopped them? And then how to design their life, their finances, to create a paycheck for life so they can do everything they desire to do. I'm in the desirement business. Yeah. And that's, that's why I, I asked love you. That's why I asked you, because I knew, so you take something like financial services and planning and retirements, and, and you take that topic, and that doesn't sound like much fun to me, and yet you're the one of the most fun guys I've ever met. And so I wanted people to know, he's doing this, he's helping people, but he's doing it because he loves this stuff. Yeah, I'll share an example with you. I was on a Zoom call yesterday with new clients, found me because of a podcast I was on with Justin Donald the lifestyle investor, mm -hmm. reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, I need your help. I'm in pain. And we have a process. We call it this family CFO process. I like to say every company has a chief financial officer. We want to be your family CFO. And when you work with us, we're going to create greater simplicity, focus, and balance in your financial affairs and create greater clarity, confidence, and help you find the capabilities that you need to be successful. So, I'm going to say his name is Bob, mm -hmm. owns companies, very successful, but stressed out. Wife, adoring, doesn't work in the business. She just wants him to be happy. And it was clear that he's just working, 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 and not living and enjoying life. And she's, the first time we met, he was in the office. She was down in Charleston with her girlfriends. I'm like, well, there's a disconnect. So the first thing I said to them at the opening of our Zoom call yesterday was, I've got a list of action steps. And most people, when they talk to the financial advisor, like, oh, my God. Yeah. Show me some charts. You know, <laughs> you know here's some charts and the S&P 500. And, you know, every one of my, I don't have competitors, but every one of my business 
they all say the same thing. You know, just give us your money and we'll show you how to save and invest it. Right. You know what I view my biggest job today is, Brian? What? And I tell it to my existing clients and new clients. I actually tell new clients, you don't want to work with me because of what I'm about to say. I view my biggest job is not to get you to save and invest your money. After 41 years of doing this, my biggest job is to get you to spend your money right now. Hallelujah. Because this is the healthiest you're ever going to be right now. Oh, that. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, oh, oh. That, that moment. It's gone. It's gone. I don't care if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, or 93 and a half like my mother. Yeah. This is the healthiest you're ever going to be. And so what happens is, we're in this world of save and invest, save and invest, save and invest for someday, one day. Well, you know, we'll know what happens someday, one day. Yep. Someday, one day becomes you know, yesterday and done. Well, no. Guy retires from 30 years working for the same company and drops dead of a heart attack a month later. That's right. What was it? Or all whatever. Yeah. But I'll tell you what really happens because... People come to me and they're petrified of spending their money because it's going to run out. Mm -hmm. You know what I tell them? That would be a really great thing. <laughs> like if you spent your money and enjoyed it and it ran out. Yeah. And they look at me like I'm a freak of nature. So anyways, yesterday with Bob and his wife, I said the first thing that you need to do his plan, now he, he one of his goals is to be able to take a month off from the businesses and decompress. I said, first thing you're going to do is you're going to plan a two-week exotic vacation. And he's in the office, she's at home, and she's like this on she's Zoom. She's getting going, excited. Yes, sir. I love this guy, right? Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. I said, no, no shit. And you're going to tell me by next Friday that you've planned it, you've paid for it, and it's booked, or you're fired. I'm not working with you. You know, she's like that. She's excited. And he's like, wait, I want you to invest my money and get me 10% yield or whatever. And you're well, like, no, 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 then, then we go through our process. Fun. And I'm like, I, I will tell you, at the end of this meeting, we found $400,000 they didn't know they had available to them she wants to buy a second home somewhere. Yeah. So I said, hey, I, I got an idea. How about if this two-week exotic vacation is you go to Charleston for a week where you're looking and you go to Marco Island for a week where you're looking. Those will be your exotic two-week vacations. Take out the shopping cart. Let's go. She's like, oh, yeah. she's already calling the travel Heck agent, yeah. right? And I look, and Jim, I, I said, Jim, are you okay? Bob, I said to Bob, are you okay? And he's like, I think so. I said, we just found $400,000 you didn't realize that you had that we could be spending right now. Now, they buy a second home and rent it. It's now an investment, but they're going to enjoy it. And that meets one of their goals. So back to your question. I'm in the business of easing people's pain and suffering about their money. It doesn't matter whether you have little success or enormous success. Everybody's suffering some way, somehow about the myths they have about their money, which holds back their ability to be abundant in life. 
And that's what you do for folks. You're able to show them this abundance that it's okay to spend it. It's going to be all right. You're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. And you're going to move forward from it and it's all good. And so that's what you've done to build your empire, if you will, of entertainment and of books and in podcasts and financial. And so at some point you had to take some risks. At some point you had to say, look, if I'm going to make this happen for myself, I'm going to have to live what I'm talking about. And so Charlie, the fun part of this show is when you tell me when things just went sideways. And so can you remember some scary times in the history of Charlie Epstein? <laughs> my divorce. Okay. My, my first marriage. You know, just, you know, fell in love and then fell out of love and fell in love and fell out of love. You know, 25 years. I you like to say my first years? marriage, my first marriage was extreme market research. Oh, no. <laughs> Not free market research, extreme my, market my, research. My current wife, Lori, who I love and adore, and we work together, and I'm so blessed. She was married for 25 years. Her first marriage, she says, was severe market research. So okay. we have 50 years of extreme and severe. But no, you know, when you're building a business, trying to, you know, maintain a relationship. I had two young children. My son, Noah, who we adopted from Vietnam was three. My daughter was eight. I will never forget sitting on the edge of the bed with my wife at the time, telling my two children, dad's moving out. Hmm. And my daughter just went hysterical. Like her world yeah. imploded. This was the happiest, always had a smile on her face, just sobbing hysterically. And my son, who was three, who barely talked, sat up and said, I want to live with dad. It was rip your heart out. Just. And so you and ripped your was, heart out. And how ugh. do you, how do you, how do you actually finish that? How do you not say, you know what, kids, I'm sorry, mom and I are going to make this work. Because you're, you're, you're ripping your, their hearts out. How do you not? We did it for years. We, we tried to make it work for years. You know, the friction, the lack of respect, the, you know, wherever marriages go wrong, it takes two. It's not one. It takes two. I'm a hundred percent responsible for my actions. And then this is the only way I can describe the next seven years, five lawyers, five judges, five GLs, and $5.5 million later. Oh, my Lord. How's that? And, and that's now, worth it? I mean, how do you not in quit? The, in the middle of all that, I had launched the 401k coach program. In the middle of that, you did that? And was traveling around the country coaching financial advisors. I coached over 10,000 financial advisors. And my... Assistant Marie Forrest knew the pain I was in, the torture I was going through, the hell that I was in. And we would travel together to do these workshops. I'd fly in on a Wednesday night. I'd coach all day Thursday, and I'd try and fly back Thursday night so I could be with my kids. I had joint equal custody. I actually spent more time with my kids during this period of time mm. than had I not got divorced. So that was the one positive. Good. And she would call me up in the morning and say, you okay? I said, I'm okay. And Brian, I would, I do yoga every morning. So I would do my yoga 
20 or 30 minutes, I would meditate. And in the middle of meditating, I would just break out sobbing. I mean, hysterically sobbing. Like my guts were being ripped out. My whole future, you know, everything I'd built, money, pride, you know, all that. And then I'd come downstairs, I'd walk in the room and Marie would look at me and she says, you ready to go? And I'd say, showtime. Oh my. And you know about that. There's a show to be put on. There's work to be done. There's gifts to be given. And that's what you do. You put one foot in front of the other and you don't blame people. Was I angry? I was angry. Was I bitter? I was bitter. Was I, but not in front of my clients, not in front of my advisors I was coaching. I'm interested when you are in that kind of pain and, and showtime, and then the show's over and you're back into, I assume, back into that kind of pain. I have a feeling that that cycle happens. Looking at today, very successful Charlie Epstein, dreams coming true, helping other people's dreams come true. Was that still the goal that kept you going or was it day to day, minute to minute, trying just to get to the next show? What, what drove you when you were at your lowest to get back to where life is? First, my kids. Yeah. Like I put in our, uh, you know, I'm sharing some intimate stuff here, but so be it. That's what Thank life you. is. Thank I put in um, our divorce agreement that my soon-to-be ex-wife and I could not move more than 15 minutes from each other, not miles, minutes. So I owned a property, it was 13 and a half acres, I was raising sheep on the property, don't I look like a shepherd? I mean, it had a two acre lake and I walked out and said, here, it's yours. And I moved a half a mile up the road. I found a house. Yeah. So the first goal I had was make this as easy as possible on the children, because it's gonna be brutal. As easy as possible. Um, so that was a commitment that I made. So the first thing was, you know, I love my children and dad's going to still be a shining beacon through this insanity, this just warfare, total warfare, uh, and, and a demonstration of, you know, just the power of perseverance uh, the other thing is I made a decision, which was to try and be as gracious about it as possible. You know, one of my lawyers said to me, what price happiness? Mm. Well, I can tell you, I you just know, gave you a number yeah. worth every penny. Yeah. And my lawyers used to say to me, you know, you'll just make it back. And when you're in the thick of it, you're like, there's no freaking way. It's being ripped from you. Everything you worked for. Guess what? 10 times yeah. made it back. Yeah. Happier than I've ever been in my life. Blessed. Kids are healthy. Married to the woman I adore and love 12 years. And it sucks when you're going through it, folks. It's real. It's painful. 
I'm interested then when when things start to settle down and you're starting to build it back and you've the lawyers are done, right? That process is is fairly They're over. Never done. Maybe never They're done, never, but you're, you're starting not done. to think about them. You don't have daily meetings with your lawyers. It's starting to you're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. The kids are starting to adapt because of the hard work you, that you've put in. I like the idea that. I don't like it, but I, I appreciate the idea that that do what you love and the money will follow. It's not just about money. You you did what you love, which was take care of your kids, and it took care of itself because you focused on them. Uh, but when you did, and things started to turn around, and you're able to really focus on your job, you've got support, and you met your new wife, and you, so talk to me some about some of those hurdles. You saw the dreams that that now could come true. What uh, what were start? What were some things that stood in your way then? That stood that stood in the way? Stood in the way, wanted to stand in the way, could have stood in the way if you would not have shown some grit to get past it. Well, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned the 401k coach program. So if, just for our viewers, I actually shut it down this year. Oh. And there's a lesson there. It's a painful lesson. So, you know, when I created the 401k coach program, nobody was doing what we were doing in the retirement industry. There was no coaching there. We were it. And it just took off. And then, as you know, in short period of time, people looked around and said, oh, we could do that. We could do, you know, we did it. Everybody's and then a coach. it got oversaturated, but yeah. it was my identity. So here was a mistake that I learned, you know, be careful what you ask for, be careful for what you create. And then you've got to be willing to let it all go. And so there was a two and a half, three year period of time when the profitability just went, <sighs> I was I was spending more money keeping it afloat because I was wrapped up in it as my identity. I'm the 401k coach and what will people think? And, you know, let's just keep at it. And I, I hired a new CFO. One day she walked in and she held up the P&L for, and she goes, what the frick is this? <laughs> this isn't a business. You lost, <laughs> you lost 150 two years ago, 250 last year. You're down 75,000. This needs to stop. Yeah. You know, well, like, how'd that you make know? you feel? That's your that was your lifeblood, though. How did that how did that make you feel? It was painful. Yeah. Because it, it, it meant I failed and I had to look back. You know, we talked when I had you on the podcast. Wait a minute, I had to look back and go, holy crap, look at what we created that nobody had created. Yeah. And the impact, the testimonials from advice, you know, so I finally went, okay. It's time to let it go. So we did it in a phase. We digitized the whole program a year before COVID. We digitized the whole program so people could buy my intellectual property and my ideas. We did a monthly coaching call, which I got less and less interested in as time went on. Okay. And I finally said, it's time to shut it down. And I'm telling Greg, who's running the you know, studio for me right now. But... In the back of my mind, yielded dreams had already been brewing and, you know, we were on that path. And so I needed to release myself of myself in order to move to a bigger future. I had to untether myself from myself. That's hard. Okay. So now you had to do all those. You had to untether. You could either fix what you had and make it go of it and stick with it, or you could see this brighter future. Now, Charlie, your brighter future that you see is one of 500,000 podcasts out there. 
what makes you think yours is going to, at that time, what makes you think yours is going to be some brighter future? You're giving everything up to follow that? Are you crazy? Well, first of all, I am crazy. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, just what let's was, start. What was driving from, you then? What was driving you to actually say, no, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to make it successful? Which thing? The podcast, the, pod, the the great brighter future that was sitting there waiting for you. Well, it wasn't the podcast. Uh, the podcast, I, well, so I, for three years, kept saying to my wife, you know, I think I want to go back and do stand-up. So I'm also a professional actor. Mm-hmm. And from 1988 to 2001, a week before 9-11, I used to take three to five months off from my financial business and pursue my acting passion. So I did live theater, I did a one-man show, I did stand-up in New York City, I did improv, I, did, I had a commercial agent. And that was always a passion of mine, was to be an entertainer and a performer. So I can remember <laughs> the week before 9-11, nobody knew it was going to be 9-11. Right. I was in rehearsals for an off-off-Broadway show. And it was the end of the first week, it was a Sunday, we just finished rehearsing. I was hating every moment And I'm standing on the sidewalk on East 52nd Street, and the lead actress is babbling next to me, and her limousine driver pulls up to take her to her penthouse on the Upper East Side. And as she drove away, I remember standing there, and I looked up, and I said to God, I'm done. Mm. I'm I'm done performing. It was a 12-year journey. It was incredible. And I just had that moment where I was clear and complete and done with nothing left to do. That is a remarkable place if you've ever been there in your life. It is metaphysically so powerful. And I took the train home because I had an apartment in New York, but I was also living in Massachusetts where my business was. Took the train back home, told my wife at the time I'm done. Two days later, I call the director to tell him I'm done. And 20 minutes after the call, the first plane hits the first tower. Wow. Mm. By the way, that show went up three weeks later. It opened on a Saturday and closed on a Sunday. That's how bad it was. Okay. Right? But the world as we knew it was never the same after 9-11. And that moment was never the same for me. But it was liberating. Because a year later... I launched the 401k coach program because I had this idea in my head while I was still acting. Hey, maybe I could coach financial advisors how to do what we do. So I became my own performer, my producer, my writer, just like you are with your podcast. Yeah. And then I went on that journey for 15 years. That was harder to let go of and be done. And when I finally did it, it opened the door for me to then write this new one-man show called Yield to Dreams. And the podcast was just, for me, it's just a playing ground for me to talk about these concepts that I talk about in the one-man show I see. and meet really fascinating people like you. Yeah. And hopefully some people will be interested. And so what kind of, uh, what kind of, uh, uh, of success have you seen so far with that? Is the dream is there. The show is there. There's still a lot of grit to go to make well, this thing know, come true. I, so, you know, you and I were talking about writing a book and you were like, geez, I want to write a book, but I don't know how to do it. 
I wanted to, I wanted to do stand up and I wanted to do a one man show. And I was like, well, I did stand up, but there's more to this. Yeah. So January of 2019, I'm at a conference. It's called the Abundance 360 Conference. Peter Diamantis, who launched the first X Prize that opened up space. And first session, this guy, Mike Koenig, sits down next to me, who I knew. And I turned to Mike and I said, you know, I've been wanting to talk to you. So we had lunch. And Mike is a super creative guy. He's got a podcast called Capability Amplifier with Dan Sullivan. He's got two other podcasts. Amazing. And I said, I've got this idea. I want to go back and do stand-up, but I want to do it as a one-man show. And so for the next six months, we start talking. And he finally calls me up. He says, I got an idea for you. He said, you know what, Charlie? You should be like Leno and Letterman and Ellen and hire your own comedy team to help you write this show. And I said, Mike, that's genius. But I've been out of the business for 19 years. I don't know anybody. He says, you hire me as your producer and I'll get those comedians. Bam, wrote him a check for 50 grand. Mm -hmm. Abundance mentality. You just have faith that it's going to work out. It was a big check. People are yeah, like, what? It was. Okay. Well, that was the beginning. There, you know. Been a couple of checks so, since. <laughs> so the end of the day, October of 2019, I fly out to San Diego, La Jolla, California, to hole up for two days in a condo that Mike has looking out over the Pacific Coast Highway. Okay. Okay. To meet these three comedians and see if I've got something. So you have to picture this. I fly out. I have nothing in writing. I have nothing written down. I have nothing. I wake up that morning, Saturday morning at 6 a.m., looking for divine intervention as I'm meditating and you know doing my yoga. Nothing. I go to Starbucks, figuring I'll find divine intervention at Starbucks. Sure, like we all do. Nothing. Yeah. Okay. I decide, all right, I got an hour. I'm going to watch, walk the beach, the Pacific Ocean. Of course. There'll be divine intervention. God will come to me and she will tell me nothing. Nothing. 9 a.m., the comedians show up. Mike shows up. Marissa Brassfield, our pre And then the magic starts. Now, here's the funny part. I look at these three guys. And I say to them, so what were you thinking when Mike says, hey, let's spend two days holed up in a condo helping some old Jewish white guy make money funny? <laughs> That's what I said to them. And they're like looking at each other going, yeah, we're like we're one. Yeah. And for the first two hours, they're like, you want to do money seminars? And I said, no, I want to do stand up. You want to No, I want to do stand. No, I want to do. And then I started just telling my stories. Yeah. My money stories, my myth stories, my personal story. A story of a guy that I met at an airplane flying from Atlanta the day before to San Diego, who we who's in the show. We call him Mr. Yield. He is God sent him to me on that plane flying out because he is the yield of dreams man. Yeah. And I tell this to people because you've got to be open to the signs. You have to have ears to listen when the angels are talking to you. And people don't listen. Well, most people don't even know there's signs. Well, I, I think you were talking about that voice in your head. I think that voice is way too loud. Those signs are out there and they, they're saying, do this, do this, just do this. It's simple. Just do this. And the voices say, don't do it. Nope, nope. Hold on. Invest for that 3%. Don't go. 
At the end of those two days, we had the entire show mapped out on big sticky yeah, buddy. on the walls of the condo. Yep. And then I went home and I wrote, I said to them, I'm going to write from now until Thanksgiving. I wrote 164 pages. I wrote the show out. Yep. It was divine. It just like a muse. Yep. And so we've been working now. And then COVID, of course, hits in March. And every theater shuts down. How am I going to do my show? But I don't give up. I build this studio that I'm in so I can rehearse the show. I hire a director, Susan Daniels, who directed me in the 1990s in live theater to be my director. Mm -hmm. I get a stage manager. I got Greg to help with the animation. I got my writers. Nick Nanton, who's won 22 Emmy Awards for documentary films, is just finishing up the documentary of the making of Yielded Dreams. We're building an app so people can get a ticket to the show. And but Charlie, I'm just having. I am. I am in my Yielded Dreams, having a great time. And that is fantastic. And I am glad. And I'm going to tee one up for you to knock it out of the park as we get close to the end of this show. I say to you now, but Charlie, what if you fail? And I see the smile on your face. Well, it's interesting because at the end of the documentary, I walk up to that pitcher's mound behind me and I say, I'm all in and I haven't even sold one ticket. Mm. To which my wife said, damn right. <laughs> Do I have those thoughts? What if I fail? Every day. That's how you know you're headed in the right direction, folks. When you think you're going to fail, you're getting closer to succeeding. And the only way you're going to find out is by testing it. So we're going to open the show finally. We found a performance space. I'm going to do August 28th and 29th, Northampton's Arts Center, Northampton, Mass., where Smith College is and UMass. I'm going to do showcase, invited guests, and I'm going to test it out with people who know me. So it's even right? Scarier, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but for their feedback, because it's a work, life is a work in progress. Yes, sir. The show is a work in progress. We're going to fail and then we're going to succeed. And it's going to be, we're going to knock it out of the park. Thanks. Charlie, how do people find you? If they want to talk to you, learn about you, hire you, see your show, what do they do? Yeah. I just love it. If people would just go to uh, download the podcast, yield of dreams. We've had great guests like Brian on <laughs> soon to be live. We've had Chip Wilson, the founder of Lululemon. I interview entrepreneurs, artists, the show folks ask the question, what did you want to be when you grew up? What happened to that promise that you made to yourself? And what are you going to do differently now? That's the essence of the show and the podcast is all about living your dreams and not holding back, not yielding, but harvesting your yield along the way. And I think that that's kind of the definition of grit. And that's why I think it's great that you and I got to know each other and to meet each other and to participate on each other's shows. Um, life is just never easy, but it's worth the struggle and it's worth the, uh, it's worth the work and it's worth the grit. And so thank you, Charlie, for being a Wonder part of our show. Joy, 
laughter and play and discovery for discovery's sake, folks. Just live, imagine living your life every day looking for wonderment, joy, laughter, and play and discovery. You will please yourself every day. Every single moment. Worth putting your feet out of bed for and going to the J-O-B, as, uh, as, as, as some folks call it. Absolutely. Hey, folks, real quick uh, plug for Spire, because that's how we pay the bills around here. If, uh, if, if Charlie has inspired you, and I know he has, please know that that's what Spire tries to feed off of. We just want you to succeed. If you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, and you're trying, and you're struggling, and you're trying to figure it out a way, let us help you. Uh, we do brand strategy, digital marketing, ways to reach your folks, ways to drive revenue, uh, ways to build your business. All we care about is that you succeed and uh, and knock it out of the park, as uh, Charlie and I were talking about just a second ago. You can find us at spiread.com. Charlie, this has been a tremendous pleasure to meet you. I feel like we are kindred spirits. We care about the future and we're willing to do what it takes to get there. And so any last minute, uh, last final things that you want to share with everyone just to inspire them one more time? Dare to be bold every day. Dare to be bold. Enough said. Dash of Grit is available where you're listening right now and come back again. We do this once a week. Take care and until the next time, stay gritty and win the day. This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.